Welcome to Practically Healthy by Dr. Molina, where each week I bring guests, and many of which are my good friends that I've had a long relationship with, who are experts in nutrition or wellness or fitness, or have just been on their own journey. And I try to really drill down on the science of what they're saying, but also the practical implementation. And honestly, my guest today, is, there is no better person to help me translate the nutrition science than Ashley Koff. Ashley, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to have you on the show. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. And I'm so excited that you're doing a podcast because I love not just hearing from you, but every time I'm talking, you're like, oh, I know this person and I heard this. So you're such a great vetter of this whole community and translating it. So again, thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. And and just so you all know, listeners, you know, Ashley is really, I'm not just saying this because she's my friend and colleague, but she is one of the top dietitians in the United States and perhaps in the world. In fact, it's not just me saying that. She was voted by Today's Dietitian Magazine is one of the top 10 registered dietitians, CNN's top 100 health makers, social media, and she's also a brilliant marketer. Her background started in marketing. I'll let you tell us a little bit about that. But so I think it's important, you know, when we talk about, you know, and better nutrition, which is uh, Ashley's platform. So how much better does it get than better nutrition plus practically healthy. I love it. Um, but I think it's important to be able to communicate. And I think that's one of the brilliant things, Ashley, that I've noticed about you over the years is that you're able to take complex topics and communicate them in a really actionable, user-friendly way. And that's one of the things that I admire most about you among many things. But um, so, you know, tell us a little bit, how did you make the switch from, before we get into all the wonderful things that we're going to teach people today, how did you make the switch from marketing guru to dietitian to then somebody who really is training dietitians? How, how did that, talk about that progression. Yeah, sure. Well, um, so I grew up in the Midwest I, and I'm back in the Midwest. I grew up in Ohio and um, I had no interest in healthcare. My dad was a, sur a pediatric surgeon. I thought medicine was just um, something I wanted to avoid. Uh, and I was obsessed with this woman, uh, Judith Light, who played Angela Bauer on Who's the Boss. And I thought that she was just perfect. So I wanted to be tall, skinny and blonde. Um, I'm none of those things. And I also loved that she went to work and she worked in advertising. And it turns out that I have family background and people working in advertising, but I just, I think selling people things was just, it's like in my genes, it's in my DNA. So I loved that part. Um, so I really pursued, that was my pathway from being young and selling, you know, the neighborhood kids on whatever, all the way through to in college. Um, if you know anything about Duke and UNC, I was at Duke, but I actually uh, wormed my way into getting a job because I told them that I could get UNC restaurants to advertise advertise in the Duke newspaper, which had not previously been happening, the bars, et cetera. So I just, I take the impossible and I sell it. So after college, I went to New York and uh, got my first job uh, out of college was at a global advertising agency and circumstances just happened where uh, I ended up being really in charge of or, or very in a significant role at a young age of a global um, uh, company that was our client selling, developing sugared cereals. So uh, it was really how, yeah, awesome, right? Like just the best thing in the world for us. So all those books, you know, sugar, salt, fat, like all these things, like I was in that. And I remember actually the first time I ever met a dietitian was I was in a meeting 
has the agency. We were trying to figure out what we could say about this new product we had created, Raisin Brand Crunch. And the dietitians had all of these, you know, uh, legal claims that nutritionally, like, here's what the product delivers on. And then the lawyers were in there to balance. And here we were, we were just like, you know, if we could really say energy and we figured out that we could actually legally get away with saying that there, this uh, cereal delivered more energy than any other cereal because there was so much sugar in there, right? So calorically and carbohydrate wise, we had more sugar than anywhere else. So that was the start of my marketing career, but not, or, or the, the, the actual start professionally, um, certainly not the start of my nutrition career. So what ended up happening there, uh, as many of us do in our twenties, that was really for me, the personal absolute low of what I then I later would learn was my own health crisis. And on that part, I just thought, honestly, I was a chubby kid. I had a belly that never went away. You know, my siblings made fun of me, everybody else. And I just thought it like I had this, I was a bad dieter or I wasn't, you know, all these other things. I tried every diet under the sun. I tried not eating. I tried over exercising everything unhealthy on that piece. Um, and it wasn't until I was it, working in advertising and this kind of all came together. I had horrible panic attacks. I had uh, just my energy, like all, everything was falling apart. And I was just 22 at the time. Oh. And I ended up um, actually meeting someone in a yoga class who, uh, this was like my absolute rock bottom in New York City, who pr took me to her house, pricked my finger, looked at my blood under, I'm sure it was a Fisher Price microscope, told me I had a worm, had me do a seven day goat's milk only cleanse, right? Like, I mean, just the worst thing in the world, told me I would pass this, the worm, I would see it in my poop. Guess what? If you're just drinking uh, goat's milk, you're going to just see white come out in your poop. Um, so all that happened. And I ended up coming out of that feeling really great while I was on the cleanse, surprisingly, we'll never touch anything goat's milk again. But three days later, I had horrible digestive issues, belly, all of that stuff. And I actually just, I mean, I was so upset about it that I fancy myself a stand-up comedian. I had a couple of drinks in a bar. I started talking about it and a integrative gastroenterologist, which was unheard of in 1996, uh, heard me talking about this and was like, has anyone ever asked you if you were on antibiotics as a kid? Like she just started saying these things. And I was like, no, you know, no. And it ended up, it was the first time somebody had asked me about my health history instead of just telling me, hey, you're fine, or maybe it's this, or take this, you know, or eat this, or don't eat this. And that, that process of being able to heal my digestive system was what pivoted me from marketing over to becoming a dietitian. But as I was doing it, I realized nobody else has this information. You know, when I trained to be a dietitian, they told me to give the same sheet of paper to somebody who has IBS with constipation or diarrhea, right? And many of us have been in that situation where it's totally impersonalized information. So from early on in my career, I kind of combined the marketing side of things with the, um, with the education. And I realized I'm not going to be able to really help people unless I can do this from a personalized standpoint. And that takes a different kind of marketing than what we've experienced in healthcare. So I did that um, for about 20, 15, 20 years. You and I had met, you know, in that space, um, a very active private practice. I, um, I was in Los Angeles. So I worked with a lot of celebrities. I got to work, you know, on TV shows, like all of these fun things. But I realized my mission was to bring this from a national standpoint. How do we actually move the needle forward? And what dawns on me today, and I know you feel this way, Melina, is there are so many resources. There are more resources than we've ever had. When we started our practices, there were none of these resources or minimal resources. Education, what we know, like we know about the microbiome now. We know about all these things. 
And yet we have more people unhealthy and more unhealthy than even before. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to change everything. In the Obama administration, I was the California state representative for the Let's Move campaign. I moved to DC. I was like, let's go do it. And the only thing I was able to succeed there was to have a lot of different congressional representatives hire me as their personal dietitians. But most of them didn't vote for the policies that I actually like that would have done, you know, done this part. So I left all of that and I said, there's got to be a better way and we've got to do it in business. Um, and I had had a lot of collaborations with businesses before, but what I realized was there's got my unique area is understanding that for true personalization, practitioners and patients need to be able to ask questions repeatedly. This isn't about an intake form situation, but to consistently ask the questions to see who are you today and what does your body need today and what choices do we have? And then how do we present those choices? And for me, that was the big piece that said, hey, if I can, number one, create those questions. So I created a lot of questionnaires, a lot of quizzes, made them pretty so they're fun to look at. And then I turned around to practitioners and said, if you use this, you can work more efficiently. So you, you have shorter time periods. You can help your clients on that part, but also your patients are going to have better outcomes because of personalization. So today we offer that to dietitians, to health coaches, to doctors. We have a lot of uh, different doctors who are using our tools um, as a way to offer personalized nutrition. Uh, and then we also have programs that, that our practitioners offer um, as a result of you know, being able to turn around and want to help somebody through the pathway of personalizing their sugar intake or, you know, some of these things. Yeah. So it's a long, a massive introduction. That's how I did it. And here we go. Yeah. And we're done. Thank you so much yeah, for joining <laughs> us. Have a lovely time, Ashley. It's been great talking to you next week on, no, I'm just That's kidding. Right. I'm just joking. Now um, we'll get practical. Yeah. yeah. Now we'll get, now we'll get practical um, and we'll do better. Right. No, I think, you know, just to touch on a few things that you said, I think um, it's, it's, I mean, when we first started, you and I, you know, the idea of, of food as medicine, um, you know, was relatively non-existent, except for maybe in the fringe world, you know, with some of and then the idea of personalization until really the last few years is has been also, I mean, I think, you know, it's the antithesis in some ways of public health because yes, as you've said in, in many of your Sure, there are some healthy things that all of us could and should be doing, um, but that is not the same as everybody. And, you know, one of the other things that maybe it was Hippocrates, maybe it was somebody else, but that said that, you know, one man's food is another man's poison. And I think that's where we are. And and I think, you know, we were talking offline a little bit about the difference between precision versus personalized. And I think, you know, because I've talked, I've had an expert on nutrigenomics on the program, and it's something that I do a lot in my practice, and I'm quite interested in the microbiome. But I think that all the data in the world doesn't really make a difference if you can't practically implement it. So I think that's what I love about, about what you do and about your tools. And I was actually prior to talking looking up, I was seeing if I could download the, the better digestion tool, because I thought that was so fascinating. And people just, the idea that even many gastroenterologists don't think about what their patients are consuming or what they're exposed to, um, when this is all they deal with is the gut, is astounding to me. So let's jump right in, because you and I had kind of brainstormed about ways that we could help people personalize it. And you gave me some ideas, which I think are great. So this first one is really interesting because we hear this all the time and every single diet, and I've said it 
a lot because everybody else says it. So you kind of fall into these patterns, but you know, like, okay, I don't even know what this means half the time. But, um, so why is it that not everybody, well, should eat the rainbow or that that's just kind of a, it's almost a silly suggestion, like eat the rainbow. Like, so tell us about that. Tell us about the, the better way to approach that. Sure. Well, we want the pot of gold, right? We want better health. Um, and we, in order to get there, the rainbow is the vehicle. So everybody needs a rainbow. So we, we absolutely. But how many times have you been told to eat the rainbow, right? And so I will tell you as a practicing dietitian, somebody who wants to be healthy myself 20 years, it was not until legitimately four years ago when I took our rainbow quiz, which is available for free for everyone, because I believe in this for so strongly, it wasn't until then that I realized I flat out goose egg on the regular basis, unless I'm extremely intentional with it, orange vegetables, like, or, or just the orange color. It's not vegetables, it's fruits, it's vegetables, and it's herbs and spices, which I know is your, your, your passion area. So that was a really big wake up call for me because I could also list for you all the reasons we need orange. So I care about my eye health. I have a fan, I wear glasses. I have a family history of macular degeneration. I'm 48. I care about my skin. Um, there's COVID and everything else under the sun. I care about my immune health. Orange is, it's hormonally helpful. It's so important. So when I was staring down that pathway, I didn't need a way to figure out like how to get in more green or to get in more purple. I needed to figure out a way to protect my green and purple that I'm currently getting in, but also to get in the orange on that part. And that was so unbelievably eye-opening for me. And then what came up is maybe this happens to you. You see on Instagram, orange. Well, you could eat an orange or what about sweet potato? And how about butternut squash? And how about carrots? I'm just going to be honest. I really don't like them. The best that I can get to is like air frying, um, uh, sweet potato on that part. You know, maybe that's going to be the best thing that could happen. And so for me in that way, it was like, okay, I need another way. Well, I love turmeric. Like I love it. And so figuring out like, oh, if I on a regular, like add to my rice, or if I make a turmeric latte, or maybe I even need a supplement because I'm not, not going to get that in if I'm traveling or whatever that helped me be actionable. So it's not that we don't like, it, it's the telling of people. If, if we tell someone to eat a rainbow, we don't show them where are you today. And then every quarter I have to look at what orange, I have to revisit it because in the summer I might be better about getting in carrots. I just don't like cooked carrots and you know, those kinds of things in the winter. So how do I, you know, work through that part just changes seasonally. And so I revisit my rainbow assessment on a quarterly basis. So to be actionable, we have to stop just telling telling people things that, and then we have to personalize recommendations. Yeah. I love that you said seasonal too, because I, my third book that maybe 12 people read was called The Calendar Diet and was all about eating seasonally. And it was not only actionable items for um, you know, different occurrences each season, different holidays and how to tackle those, but also the foods that are in season. And I don't know if you watch this show, Emily in Paris, that's like the big thing yeah. now everybody's watching. And the chef on that show, mm -hmm. you know, was like, you know, Emily was like, why did you take this off the menu? And he's like, it's seasonal. I'm only going, he go into the market every morning. And I mean, people forget about that. We, you right. know, with in our culture with, you can get, you know, strawberries every 
every month of the year, but man, during the winter, they do not really taste like strawberries. Right. So I love that you say that. I love that. I love that you bring in turmeric too. And, and the idea that herbs and spices could really contribute to that color, um, obviously resonates a lot with me. So, so let's talk about the second one is it, it, it's a little bit more, you know, focused, but the idea that all vegans need B12 and calcium, explain that a little bit further. And then why we shouldn't just go with that blanket recommendation, which honestly, I certainly always do with B12. Calcium, not so much, but I'm guilty of the B12. So why am I, why am I wrong there? So, and we could probably do all blank, don't need blank. And we could, and that's the key part about the statement. So just think about it, you know, from that standpoint of, you know, all, um, uh, all athletes don't need X amount of calories or all pregnant women don't actually need an iron supplement. That's a really like eye opening. And the main point is there, we need to know. So you're not just a vegan, you're a person. So we need to know things. So first of all, somebody might not need a, a supplement of B12. They might need an injection of a B12 and that's going to be really different. Somebody might need a methyl folate, a methyl uh, version of the B12. Um, someone else might need to know that the nutritional yeast that they're purchasing that has B12 in it, they're, and they're eating it for B12 is actually um, a not methyl version. And if they've been recommending, so you can see, I could go on on that part. So it's not that it's going to be wrong in that way with B12. It's just, it's not going to be the right answer um, until we know who that person is, because if we just give you B12 and we don't give you B6 and folate, or we don't give you B2, we might mess up your methylation. We might mess up your homocysteine. We may create imbalances and, or excesses of certain nutrients, and that can be really problematic. Calcium is a whole other, uh, it's, this is such an important one. So another one I could say is not all, you know, petite white women need 1500 milligrams of a calcium supplement. So we have to understand how calcium works in the body. It is a contractor. It's really important as a muscle contractor. It's also building bone really importantly, but undirected or misdirected calcium also causes arterial plaque, or it can contribute into kidney stones. So we want to make sure that we're not just giving somebody calcium in that space in and saying it's because you follow a certain diet type, or you are a certain, you know, uh, a certain type of person, we want to actually assess what is your intake of calcium. And one of the big aha moments in that is that actually the non-dairy sources, almost all of them are fortified with a lot of calcium. If I add to contraction in, and I have more and more calcium going in and I don't have enough magnesium, which is mother nature's muscle relaxant, I may exacerbate tension headaches. I may exacerbate constipation. Um, I may exacerbate uh, blood pressure and other factors where there's excess you know, contraction going on. So I need to look at your calcium and your magnesium. And you can start to see why the P in personalization, in my opinion, is stands for practitioner, because you gotta you gotta get in here to you know figure this piece out. So before you go and just supplement with something, we'd want to see, you know, am I somebody who is able to or willing to meet my calcium needs primarily with food? And it might mean that I need a smaller amount of calcium or a strategic amount of supplemental calcium, but I would want to pay attention to my magnesium. And then to the point of directing that calcium, you need things like adequate vitamin D and vitamin K to make sure that the calcium goes to the bone and that the magnesium is there. And so anytime we get into these, you know, just because you're this and Melina, I think one of the most important, the, the places that probably disturbs me the most about this is 
The places that are asking you these questions are usually then selling you the supplement. So if you go online to you know, all of these different companies that have quizzes, these supplement companies take our personalized quiz and they just ask you, are you plant, you know, are they are you vegan? Or they may say, are you plant-based? Which I use the term plant monogamous or plant-based, because I think we should all be plant-based. So are you having only plants? And they answer that, and then they put in your personalized packet, they drop in the B12 and they drop in the calcium, and they never asked you about about what it is you're eating and what you're drinking and what your digestive system is like and what your heart disease risk like, that's where you really run into problems. So I say avoid those and work with a practitioner to personalize it to then you know make the recommendations for the supplements, et cetera. No, I think that's an excellent point too. And one of the other things just to piggyback on that is that I think people, and you very clearly explain this, but people need to understand that nutrients don't work in isolation, that you just can't pick and choose. Oh, my neighbor said she's taking B12 and feels great and lost 10 pounds and get rid of her brain fog. So I'm just going to start B12. And then, you know, my dog sitter is taking a, you know, they, they pick and choose and then they end up like, I don't know about you, but they come into my office with bags of supplements. They don't even remember why they're taking half of it. And, and, you know, it, 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 it is very much something I mean, unfortunately, there's a paucity of practitioners who are skilled in thinking about any of this. Um, but and I do I think one of the things that that, you know, you very clearly say in all your teachings, too, and this is uh, the idea of personalizing it, not just making it more precise and directed, which can oftentimes I mean, let's be honest, you know, I know there's a lot of functional medicine people that they charge patients thousands of dollars for nutrigenetic testing and microbiome testing and metabolomics and proteomics and epigenetics and all this stuff. And, and that's great, uh, kind of, if they know how to utilize it correctly, but usually they utilize that to sell more supplements. And, and I think there's so much that can be done by just talking to a person. And I, I really, I'm going to download your questionnaires afterwards because I think they're going to help me think through how I interact with patients too because I certainly try to consider, I mean, I think the other thing is food preferences. You know, if you yeah. tell people you should definitely be eating X, more X, and and they don't like X, but they're afraid to tell you because you've just given them a direct instruction, you know, that the next question is, can you see yourself doing that? And when and, and consistent and consistently doing it. And you know, I like I will be a point blank. I'm one of the worst offenders. I was paid for years to be a spokesperson for magnesium. And it's because then remember I told you about my digestive system, magnesium as a supplement changed my life. However, there was a wake-up call for me in a moment where I said, you know what? I'm telling everybody about the benefits of magnesium in the body. And then I'm telling them about a supplement. I happen to love dark chocolate and cashews and spit, you know, and they're all of these foods. And so it wasn't really the, you know, until I was working on this and saying like, Hey, how do you put that quiz together? Your point about food preferences is so critical. It's not just about food preferences. It's also about food tolerances. And then it's about food access. We cannot, you know, I saw somebody posting the other day, the cost of food in rural Alaska, it was $16 for a quart of almond milk. Imagine if you are allergic to milk or you're choosing not to have milk on that part, um, what that means from a budgetary standpoint. So when we look at all of this, the first step 
is to go through and say, hey, here's what your body needs, right? Here's where you are vis-a-vis what your body needs. And here are the places where we could get in that nutrient. Now, let's see how that matches up with if you're keto and you want to be keto and that's what we've decided, then if you're not getting in all of these other foods, then we there may be a reason for a supplement. Before we jump to the supplement, though, we need to go through the food side of these because Mother Nature bundles them not as an exclusive nutrient. And that's, I think your, your point is so brilliant there in terms of why it's so critical. And I'm going to just be more blunt than you. I do not think that a practitioner that is charging you for a gazillion tests and selling you a supplement is worth the money that you are spending on that practitioner. So um, please revisit that. That doesn't mean that you may not need different tests or even a lot of tests. And it also doesn't mean that you don't need supplements, but it does mean that somebody better start out with justifying and showing you where your current nutrition has gaps and inefficiencies. And as a result, what you need to be doing and then why you need that supplement on that part. Yeah, absolutely. That's 100% how I practice. I mean, I just have not bought into too much of this because so much of it, people come in with all these tests and I look at them and I'm like, so what are you eating now? Is I mean, like, what do you do? Like, it's just, right. and they have no idea. I mean, they're, they're like, oh, my organic acids are high in my urine. So I have to do this and this and then take these supplements. And I'm like, well, so is it better now? Are you still taking the supplement? Why are you taking the supplement? I mean, it is, it is, I, I, and I also, if I'm doing supplements, I mean, unless it's the basic, but I do kind of layer things in and, and try to find, you know, multi-action, you know, yes. combination products. And, but food first is always my approach. And that's, you know, not as sexy. People want to take a pill that's going to help them with everything. But we both know that, you know, foods in their, you know, matrix working together synergistically and, and then the context of food too. This is with herbs and spices. I get this all the time is why don't I just take a supplement? It's like, well, because we don't know about the bioavailability. If you have turmeric in its form in a meal, it usually has a little bit of black pepper and and Mm -hmm. oil that it's absorbed optimally with. So, you know, it is, um, you and I are so much alike in those ways. I want to take a little departure because I'm really curious about this with some of the myths, uh, you know, so Mm -hmm. what's your, Talk to us about dairy, because I think that's one of the more controversial (laughs) topics. And, and, you know, I have, it's really interesting because for me, my genetics, I am very, very highly disposed to having gluten intolerance and also dairy intolerance. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm completely fine with both. Not that I eat a ton of bread or not that I drink a ton of milk, but I love Greek yogurt. I have a little milk in my coffee in the morning and I'm not going to lie. I mean, when my kids have pizza, I'm going to have a couple slices. So let's talk about those two. I'm just curious from a, from a better health standpoint and like how we can personalize those two, because I think most integrative and, you know, functional medicine practitioners say, no dairy, no grain, no gluten, no sugar, no coffee. Well, no. they're so inflammatory, right? right? I love that statement too. They're so inflammatory. So here, so at the core, we have to come back to the body's physiology. And you mentioned genetics. Genetics are one part of this, okay? So um, what, what happens a lot of times is people have an unhealthy gut. And if your gut isn't healthy, at what you are consuming is going to show up as inflaming or irritating your gut. It's why I don't, I almost never jump right into testing somebody 
for food allergies and intolerances. Um, I usually do a digestive tune-up, some gut work first to then calm things down so that we can then see. Otherwise, you've wasted six or $800. And if you do any of the direct-to-consumer testing, it's just going to tell you, oh, almonds were your problem. And you're like, oh, I eat almonds all the time. So then you're panicking, you give something up, and you go away from that. So it's really important to understand that there are, if there is a foundational problem in how your body is operating, that's what you have to address first, right? And that may or may not have anything to do with your genetics. It may have to do with like what you've done to your system. Like me, I was a kid that was given antibiotics all the time. So you're right. I gluten, um, dairy, all of these things. It was like, oh, don't have that. Don't have that. I had a list so long of things that I wasn't having. It was hard to find what I should actually have within there. So what we have to do is we have to address any underlying challenges initially. And then the secondary part to it is to recognize what we have as a dear friend of ours, um, Robert O'Brien will say, it's, is it, are we allergic to food or what has been done to it? So the, what has happened to a lot of the food has really changed the formatting and the structure. And as a result, the messaging of what it does within our body when it comes in. And so within that space, that's going to also be important. So a cow that is out grazing and is eating eating grass and has healthy digestion and is milked in, in a fashion where it's not freaking out and all of these other things. And it's not um, given a bunch of pro prophylactic, you know, antibiotics or, you know, these other things, it's going to be pretty healthy. Well, it's milk is going to probably be pretty healthy. Your body's going to get in and it's going to go, Oh, I kind of know what to do with that. And especially when it's milk comes out, it doesn't come out as 1% or fat free uh, with an additional calcium supplement added. And with this added to it and with this other ingredient, so what we do after that original product comes out can really impact how it's going to affect your body. Um, gluten in this country, a lot of the grains, um, especially wheat, are towards the end of their harvest are processed in a way for a high, high, high amount of gluten. It really just makes it easy processing and it, and it stimulates, you know, a lot of growth, you know, within that part, right? So there may be things in that, in that experience there that you're getting a lot more, or maybe they stripped away from that wheat, all the other beneficial things. So when you're having white flour, it's like, oh, did you know that the fiber actually played a protective role in that white flour? And so you wouldn't be so inflamed with the gluten, the protein, Protein, if the protein, if there was less of the protein and the protein was protected by the fiber. So what we do to the food is going to really significantly impact it. Now, if anyone, if any practitioner puts every single one of their patients on the exact same protocol, I, I'm just going to be blunt. I call a bit of BS. Like I just, I don't think everybody, no matter what. So the only caveat would be is if you worked exclusively with celiac patients and you put everyone on no gluten, then I'm with you on that part because they have a demonstrated allergy to gluten. But outside of that part, it really, it does need to be personalized to what could you be, what could be accepting and, and what's going on now. There is some truth to the proteins, gluten being one and the proteins in, in dairy, where they can, especially in a system that is already unwell or especially with the digestive system, they can be ones that um, where they can be part of that extra inflammation. So probably what's happening for you, Melina, is if you're balancing the rest of your diet with a lot of other things that are promoting a healthy inflammatory response, your body isn't perceiving the, in, the potential slight elevation in inflammation of what's likely to be some better quality sources of gluten and, and of dairy to be that much of an issue. 
if you went a period and you had um, your whole day was processed ingredients and, um, you know, these individual particles, maybe in a multivitamin or nutrients that we were just talking about, and you weren't actually nurturing your system, it probably would have a more negative response. And maybe when you're sick and you're run down, you notice, you know what, I don't do as well with pizza or I don't do as well with, with, uh, with having my yogurt or whatever, because my system at that point is more run down, you know, and there's that piece. So at the end of the day, um, almost everyone can have a little bit of certain things. When you look at what you're having uh, most often uh, is really what we should be looking at and how your body is from a health standpoint is going to dictate how much of those things that are less healthy for, um, for an individual you could be having. So it's, it's actually not a simple question. It's one that really demands personalization on that piece. Yeah. No, I love that. And that's all that we're talking about. And, and that's the whole point of everything. So, you know, let, let's, let's talk about practical implementation of this. I mean, you've certainly given a lot to think about and, and some evidence of, you know, I think certain I'm going to take the eat the night. I feel now I'm going to rainbow. So, yeah. yeah. Anybody who's listening and I'm your gonna, kids, your kids, it's fabulous. And you can do a rainbow challenge at home. Oh, that's a good getting idea. In a rainbow. Yeah, it's fun. No, yeah. we're going to, so I, so listeners take the rainbow challenge when this episode comes out and I want to know your results and I am going to share mine. I promise. Good. I love that one. So, but let's go back to the gut because I think you know, honestly, you, it's the gut is hot right now. The microbiome, everybody and their dog is talking about it. I can remember you talking about this ever since I've known you. And I think it's been at least 15 years that we've been interacting professionally and personally. And you've always been about mm -hmm. the gut first, which tells me that you know what you're doing. But so if somebody, of course, you know, they could what tell before not we'll go over it at the end but what's the the website where they can learn more and and find a practitioner that you have trained or mentored that where where can they sure. find that and a caveat i haven't trained or mentored i've made my tools available to these practitioners so right. how they're using it or who they are like they could still do some crazy things like i you know i'm not going to say that but at least they're doing assessment better so right. the better nutrition program we do have a list of practitioners we also if you are a practitioner we have the tools um and so on that part you can go there you can get the tools we do have on our freebies page we have where you can download the rainbow evaluation uh, for free and um, and coming very soon, depending on when the episode is out uh, in April this year, we have the programs where in our app, you'd be able to do the rainbow challenge live and you know, some of some of those things. But it's really important. I think where you're going with this is for us to understand that trying to fix everything all at once doesn't work. And so the, the most important piece of personalization and what we do with our tools, um, and I think what you're what you're getting at here, that's so important is to hone in on What's one thing right now that is actually going to help you? So if you're, we're talking about practically healthy, like how can we get there, right? And so that piece is we, we do want to turn around and not just say that every time there's a new, there's something new in the media or we hear about anything on that part that we, that we launch into that piece. And with gut health, with the microbiome, we have to recognize that there's so much research that's happening right now. But the same things I've been talking about for 15 years still build a healthy digestive system. So you don't need to do all those other things. Like every time something new comes out, you don't need to do it. Now, we do have very cool stool tests that we can now do and, and take a look at. Um, they are the ones that your practitioner needs to order. They are not the ones that you personally order. Um, 
Um, and within that part, when you look at those stool tests, um, we can see if there are, are critters that don't belong there. Um, and we can also go a little bit deeper. So that there is helpful information in doing something like a stool test. However, if you notice that you're constipated and you're trying to figure out, you know, what's one thing I just told you the other day, or I just told you earlier in the conversation, let's check out your calcium intake as it compares to your magnesium intake. And that doesn't mean just from a supplemental standpoint, but if you're taking a lot of calcium and you're constipated, aha, a light bulb should go off for you. So there are things we can start looking at uh, immediately. And it doesn't mean we need to like free base probiotics, um, but maybe we do need a probiotic, right? I needed a bifidobacteria because I got the other strains in already. And I, I need, it was targeted for me. Um, and you raised this point before, you know, all of my supplement recommendations come with a prescription. So for me, what I mean by that is I only tell you this is good for the next three months or the good next six months or that type of thing. We're not meant, no culture around the world has ever put people on nutrient supplementation and just said like, you know, go off and do that part. So for your digestion right now, come back to, let's really assess what's going on and see if there's one thing that we could, you know, take to move forward on that piece. Yeah. So, but I mean, to, to step it back even further, like what are some of the most common uh, signs that something is wrong with your digestion? Because people really don't pay. I mean, I know Dr. Oz was really big on looking at your stool and, and having different, but most people aren't going to spend a lot of time doing that. Um, yeah. So, and he's running for Congress now, so who knows? Yeah. Uh, real quick though, before I forget, what I'm just curious, and again, I'm not branding or marketing anything, yeah. but what stool tests do you recommend for practitioners? Yeah, you know, I, it, the different practitioners use different, so I, they're kind of like scales. You want a practitioner that is consistently using one because they know how to check out what, what's going. So I've historically used the GI map test and, and I'm comfortable with that one, but there are others. Um, and I know practitioners who use other tests uh, and they're just used to reading the report and, you know, and seeing the results on that piece. I love that you brought up and I have just zero comment on the Dr. Oz piece, but you know, one of the things that we notice is like, I have clients who literally until their poop didn't smell, they didn't realize how badly their poop smelled. Um, and the best example of this is dogs. Like, I don't know if you've ever been out walking your dog and somebody or around a dog that poops and you're like, like it's a horrible smell. If that smell is coming out, that that is not, you're not meant to have, our poop is actually not meant to be horrifically smelling. So um, you might pass gas that has a smell in it and that's fine, you know, but if you're passing gas a lot and it's smelling pretty bad, that's also a good signal. If you're bloated, I was bloated all the time. I just thought I had a big belly, right? There was so much bloat that was in me and passing gas. And so if I was bloated all the time, and especially after eating, that's going to tell me that something's going on. Uh, if I'm not able to poop, if I have hemorrhoids because I'm straining so hard to go to the bathroom, um, that's going to be, that part is going to tell me that something's gone with digestion. If I have bad breath, remember your digestion starts in your mouth um, and also your digestion, your skin is a part of your digestive system because things are going in and out. And if your body isn't eliminating properly, you're going to have bad body odor. So if your body odor, if you're somebody who has to apply deodorant several times a day, cause you're trying to mask smells or these kinds of things, those are also going to be really helpful signals for you. And if things are going in the wrong direction, so if things are going up when they're supposed to be going down, that's going to be another signal. The body is 
always trying to send you signals. We just, unfortunately, with medications and over-the-counters and all of these different products and things, we've created all these band-aids that silence the messages and not being good listeners of our own body's messages is really important. The more tricky ones to understand are things like if I'm getting up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, or if I have my sleep isn't, you know, as, as good on that part, or how my energy is, of course, these are all related to digestion. Um, or maybe if I'm taking a supplement, but I actually, and I'm working with my practitioner, I'm eating enough of the nutrient, I'm taking a supplement, and we're not seeing my levels increase, that could also be a factor. But those are more difficult to, to uh, sort of interpret on our own as signals. Yeah. yeah, no, I think it's important. I'm, I guess I'm going to have to, my, you know, my seven-year-old, honestly, he eats more fruits and vegetables than any child. That would be his preference. But his poops are not great smelling. Yeah, so I'm, right. I may have to do some sort of assessment yeah. to uh, figure out what's missing there. I don't even know. So, I mean, is there a home way to do that? Is, there, do, is know, that part of your it's, free it's, tools? It's, yeah, it's not really a bad idea. So we do have the digestive evaluation as a practitioner, you know, um, those are those are tools that you can use. It's never a bad idea, especially with children to, to go ahead and do a stool test. I mean, I think about it all the time. Every time my dog sees the vet, uh, preventatively or not, we take in a stool test. I just don't understand why we don't do that for humans, you know, and start to look at that part. I understand that there's an additional cost. So I, I am conscious of that piece. But if there is something that's going on on that part. Now, the interesting thing is we might eat a lot of fruits and vegetables, but we might be lower on some of those more alkaline forming. And so sometimes the more acid forming um, where uh, could just be that he maybe for him, he just needs either some more of the alkaline forming ones or he may just not have the right foundational support. Like he might need a bifidobacteria like I did, you know, on, on that part. So the better way to do it, in my opinion, is typically a stool test or working with a practitioner who understands how, you know, how to do that assessment. What you don't want to do is take activated charcoal or start to just, you know, um, drop chlorophyll or take chlorophyll tabs or anything else that, you know, we see on these like TikToks of people dancing around and telling you what, you know, makes things smell better because you can can miss again, those things can cover up what is actually, you know, going on in a seven-year-old who is a great eater. First of all, kudos on that part. Um, but second of all, it may just be tweaking a little bit of, uh, some of the balance in, in terms of what he's getting in. Um, and at seven, since he's still in those foundational years, it may just be that foundationally there's something that we need to give him now, which by the way, is going to have such advantage for his health into the future. If we address any digestive imbalances now that I highly recommend mom, you know, going out and doing the, a little bit of that investigative work uh, at this juncture. Yeah. yeah, no, I love that. I think that's a great idea. And I think for me, step one, I'm always trying to do the least uh, invasive thing possible. Right. So I'm definitely going to think about, you know, a big, be, I, it's interesting that you bring up the alkaline diet because we don't have time to talk about it today, but I'm going to have to have you back. There's too much good yeah. stuff to talk about because I was going to ask you about that because I have like a visceral reaction to that yes. just because it seems like a fad thing. But the idea of taking a closer look at the fruits and not, not overall diet, because people, I argue all the time. I mean, you, obviously you can't change blood. It's alkalinity. so bogus. Let's it's just the, call it. It's yes, bogus. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. But there are alkaline formers. Right. That's the difference on that part. And it's interesting. You brought up dairy before, um, and animal products and things and these may, and sugar, and they're more acid forming, um, and really great foods can be more acid forming. And so just looking at the alkaline formers for him, there may, you know, to kind of see in that space, there may need 
need to be like a little bit of a better balance uh, within that. Um, but as I said, we, we probably wanted to dive deeper into it. But the alkaline diet, you did not hear from me in any regard to, to go after the alkaline diet. Yeah, that's what I love. Everything that you say yeah. is practical. Okay, so before we finish up, and this is obviously a personal thing. So mm -hmm. give us some of your top practical tips for how you stay healthy, not because everybody should do them like, you know, we're not following what Kylie Jenner is yeah. doing, but Perfect. just to plant the seed for ways that you stay practically healthy. So give us your yeah. best. I'm putting you on the spot. I should have told you ahead of time. We were going to ask you, but I'm sure I know. you have I'm great like, answers. I, I wish, right? Okay. So the most important things that I do, um, and by the way, I am just like all of you. I mean, I hope I went on a seven day goat's milk only cleanse people like so it, rock bottom. Like I if, if it's out there, I'm thinking that I want to try it. Um, but what I do is I don't try things that I hear about. And I actually do have a pretty good vetting system earmuffs um, for information around nutrition. Uh, so one of the things that I really do is if I notice that I am close to deciding to Google search something for a couple of hours or even to purchase it or to try it, I that is a mandate for me to connect with my practitioner. And I have a really great practitioner uh, who I collaborate with and one that I really don't like, uh, who is my diagnostic person. So that's also what I do for my health is I find someone who I'm crazy in these things and I want somebody who will appreciate my crazy and go down that path with me. So open communication and not just jumping on and doing something because I am hearing about it. The second part is assessment. Um, so I do my digestive assessment and I do my rainbow assessment on a quarterly basis. And before I add something in, I do actually do an assessment around that. So you mentioned nutrigenomics. I had my, uh, my genetic test done. Uh, it was really interesting to me. And one of the things that I found is that I might not be as efficient on the methylation side, which is really important for us. Choline is a very important nutrient there. And my uh, practitioner said, maybe you need to supplement with choline, but before I'm going to supplement with it, I went and did our quiz to see, do I actually eat choline? And the answer is I love eggs and I think they're great to get in. Um, and I do get them in, you know, if I'm at home, but I don't get them in often enough. So as a result, I have a choline supplement, especially when I travel and I do a, a moderate amount of choline and I changed a little bit about what I eat uh, to get that part in. And then probably the most important one for me uh, is to operate with the mantra of better, not perfect. So there is no perfect health. No, no perfect. I mean, I thought I have always thought about perfection. You know, what can I do to be perfect? All of these things. Goodbye. Perfect exists when we are right before we're born and right when we die. And so everything else in the middle, the, the, the only thing we can to aspire to is better. And so I ask myself when I'm going to do something, is there a better choice that's here? Sometimes I make a not better choice and I just own that. Um, and most of the time I make a choice that I know is better for me based on what I have learned about, you know, how my body operates. So the better, not perfect as my standard um, or my goal, if you will, helps me probably avoid a lot of the things that could trigger the highs and lows on that part. Yeah, I love it. And that's why I've always loved your better, not perfect. And that's, you know, what I do with practically healthy, because you don't have to be perfectly healthy. If you're practically there, yes. you're yes. probably like me, I can eat all the uh, not all the dairy yes. and gluten that I want, but I can eat enough because the rest of my diet is on track, I guess. Mm -hmm. Although I do drink a little bit too much. I'm not going to lie, but I'm working on that. I'm working on getting better. So mm -hmm. okay, Ashley, again, tell us where they can we, you, we can learn more about what you're doing your wonderful sure. contribution your educational material, how can we learn more about you? 
Yeah, head to the Better Nutrition Program. It is a website for practitioners. So if you are a patient or a, a an individual, not a practitioner, uh, go under the um, About section. You'll see our learning section. You'll see our learning uh, center, uh, and you'll also see a list of providers there. And you can connect with providers, or you can suggest your provider come to us and and get those quizzes uh, on that part. And then I'm on, I think, all the social media except for I'm not on TikTok. Um, and we're on there at the Better Nutrition Program, uh, and you can follow us there. And we love to ask ask and answer questions. I'm going to have Melina on for her first live, so we can actually have her do that. Um, and we love to interact there, uh, especially. I love when people tag me in things where they're like, "Wait a second, is this legit?" Because I do a health hall of shame, um, and I'm pretty open about you know what what goes in there. So if somebody's saying something that's egregious and not better for you, uh, you can count on me to call them out, or at least to DM you and, and tell you that it isn't something that you need to worry about. So I would love to connect with you. That yeah. sounds great. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure, and I hope our listeners. I know they've learned a lot. How can they not learn a lot from you? Because you're such a wealth of knowledge, and in a way that just makes it much more approachable and, and fun, and and it makes me want to do it. I'm really excited to take the rainbow questionnaire after this woohoo, and put my kids on it but thank you so much again ashley and you've been listening to practically healthy by dr melina if you like what you hear please hit subscribe comment give me questions promote me any help would be much appreciated uh this is really a labor of love for me and i i just so privileged to bring on such amazing guests. So I hope that you benefit from this and I want to hear from you as much as possible. Uh, I hope you have a healthy day and remember to be better, not perfect, according to our guest today, Ashley, who I love. All right, take care. Thanks for listening. Thanks.